Fulham. Hello, and welcome to Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is Don Love, and I'll be your host for today's show. It's not been the start we wanted this season so far with the first two games, especially point-wise, and our return to Wembley didn't go so well. Even though we were beaten 3-1, to one, I still think there are some positives to take away from the game and some great things to talk about. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some uh, bad things I think we've got to talk about, some things that we really need to address as a team, and we're going to do that. So let's jump right into it. Joining me today on his big return from touring America on the East, East Coast, at least, is Matt Baldwin. Greetings. Lovely to be back on the show after a long, long summer. <laughs> and a hot one, from what I understand, for you. Oh, absolutely. And joining us on his debut is our new Matt Waclair. Hello. So, once again, for those listeners, you've got to be confused. You've got to be thinking, oh, my God, not another Matt just like me. This has got to be number three or number four. Uh, I know we have at least three. So, to make the show seamless and understandable, Matt Baldwin also goes by Reese lightning we'll call him reese aka so that there's no confusion in the show understand guys sure by me all right so let's jump right into the spurs game we know it wasn't the way we wanted to start or we didn't play the way we wanted to play spurs definitely set up very attack minded came at us hard uh we really started slow in that first half it was oh my god slow to me and at more times than not I felt like we had all 11 people, our, our guys at least, in our own half. So I got to ask, you know, Matt, what were your initial thoughts of how we played that first half and the overall game against Spurs? Yeah, I think Spurs is is always going to be a place where you go and uh, especially these days with them with, with them competing with the top four, I think you're always going to be expecting a point at the very best. And if you come away with a win, then wow, it's, it's an amazing result. Um, Spurs have got some really quality players, some, some of the best in the world. You know, Harry Kane's um, been linked with Real Madrid and maybe you'll go there one day. But in terms of our players, I mean, I think I think people are expecting our big players from last season in the championship to be big players again this season. Um, last season they were um, quite big fishes in a in a much smaller pond, and this season, obviously they're they're much smaller players, and they're they're going to find it much harder to impact matches in the way that they did last season. Um, the quality in the Premier League is is far higher than in the Championship, and we're gonna we're not going to be able to dominate most of the teams at this level. And we had reasonable return on possession against Crystal Palace. I think I think we won that battle, um, but against Spurs we came away with forty percent. I think, and and that's to be expected at a place at a place like Wembley when when you're playing Spurs. I, I think we just need to be patient this season. Playing playing Spurs and uh, Spurs away in our second game back in the Premier League isn't the, really the fixture that you'd, you'd want. You'd, maybe we'd, we'd like a couple of easier games, you know, certainly at the start. All right, we had Crystal Palace, but yeah, I mean, I I, I, I didn't see us getting anything from that game. Um, I think the game kind of panned out as as we probably would have expected it to. You know, it's it's one of those things. You, like, as I said, going to Spurs away and losing it is no disgrace. And, and we have to move on from it. I agree. I'm not going to put us down. It's the Spurs. And yes, they made no ins or outs when it came to the transfer window. But we knew they were going to be a tough team going into it. Reese, your initial thoughts on this? Um, It's more or less uh, uh, as you, know, you just mentioned there that Spurs didn't bring anyone, didn't sell anyone 
um, well, in the senior squad anyway, um, in the summer transfer window. And that, I think, was Slav's downfall on this occasion. Because, you know, because Spurs didn't buy or sell anyone, you already know their formation. You know what they're going to do. You know the players and the and the personnel. So he should really have sort of counteracted that. I think the formation we came out with, the four three three. I I think I think Slav got it wrong that day. I was bang in line with the right uh, with the right wing. Well, the Spurs is right wing in the first half, and you could just tell the amount of space that Kieran Trippier had. It was a joke at at some stage, and it's one of these things. If I can spot it, surely Slav can spot it. And maybe it would, maybe it was done intentionally. Maybe it was all part of the grand plan. I don't know, but it just it just didn't seem comfortable with me. I personally think we should have uh, counteracted Spurs's formation with going either five at the back or three at the back, depending on how you see it with wing backs and whatever, and putting either Sessegnon or uh, Joe Bryan, who did, had a very good game, very good game. I, it must be said, apart from leaving, uh, giving Trippier loads of space. Yeah. Slav, he's trying. I, it, it's hard to put. It's hard to put a you know words to it. But I think he's still sort of experimenting at this stage of the season, which is kind of costly. Maybe it was the the influx of the you know signings coming in on coming on Thursday that he felt he had to put some of the people in, and they haven't gelled quickly enough. But if that's the case, you should really have. Now, gone with a more settled side. Stick maybe Kevin McDonald in there because, as I, as I've said on the podcast before, the way he plays and sort of drops back into the back, it's more or less three at the back anyway. The way he plays, so I think we could have done that. And in terms of the results, I don't think we should. Don't think we should be too you know downhearted. We need to remember this is Spurs. They're basically doing what we did to the teams that were promoted from League One last year. So in terms. The result isn't ideal, but the performance, it was there, particularly uh, the start of the second half from sort of 45 minutes to 17 minute mark, basically before they scored. There was The ball was only really going one way, and that was towards the Spurs goal. I think we just need to sort of ca- encapsulate that 15, uh, 25 minute spell and have that stretched out across the whole 90 minutes of games. And if we do that, we're going to be we're going to be safe. So a couple of things for me. One of the things you mentioned was formation. And I want to come back to that, especially when we talk about our preview against uh, Burnley. In our formation, we're so set with this 4-3-3 and our constant passing that I can't help but wonder, everybody just knows our plan. We don't really have an alternative plan. Is there something else that we should have been changing? And And if so... What player or or what way would you have changed things there, Matt? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's um, that's quite difficult at this stage because none of us really know the players that well, and, and Slav doesn't know the players that well yet either because he's only had a few weeks to work with them. I, I quite like watching four three three, whether it's a true four three three or or whether it's more four five one at times because you know the the wingers are expected to track back um, is up for debate and and. From from what I've read, I didn't I didn't go to Wembley on Saturday, but I've I've seen extended highlights and and from what I've read online as well, I think um, putting putting somebody like Kamara in the team, although he gives you an outlet to, to play on the counter attack, he doesn't offer much protection to the left back. And you know, for, going back to what Reese was saying about Brian leaving and um, Trippier on his own at times, perhaps he needed a bit more help over that side. 
I, I honestly, I, I don't see that changing the formation at this stage of the season and tinkering too much is, is going to be of, of great benefit. The, the spine of this team is, is still similar to, to what it was last season, and especially if we get if we get Tim Ream back playing as well when, when he's fit. And, and I think they know the formation. And they, they know where they've got to be. And it, and it worked for us last season. And I think it will work again this season. We've, we've certainly got better players now than we had last season. And I, I'll, I'll be interested to hear everybody else's thoughts on this. Well, you know, we got to talk about the back four. Let's, let's start there and, and talk sure. about our goalie, okay? Because you talk about the spine. And if you're going to talk about the spine of the team, we got to start in the back. And so the big change this time was Christy didn't start. This is where you guys got to help me out again. You know I'm bad with names. <laughs> it was Anguisa. Anguisa, yeah. who months. took that on? Say that again? Sorry, it took me three months to work out Pogrebniak. I think we're all <laughs> going to be given a little bit of leeway. He's not the only guy. name I'm having troubles with, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I got to say, I was impressed with him. I thought, you know, his start was was really good. Uh, he, he played a, a decent game. I was very disappointed in Chambers. You know, last game, I thought he had a pretty darn strong game. This game, it, very questionable for me. The person that is surprising me, you, you got to know who I'm going to be talking about as far as a center back. I, I wouldn't have pictured this, but Lee Marchand, he's really surprised me. Brian, yeah, he struggled a little bit this time. Uh, and I, I agree. I, I think it was because he didn't have AK coming back and offering the cover that maybe Cess would have or somebody else would have. And I think that really showed in how Spurs played. Because if you looked at all, or not all, but the majority of the buildup of their play, it came down their right side, our left side. And that's where the majority of the crosses came in the box. Uh, you know, and, and actually, I believe that, that was how the first goal came into play, wasn't it? Uh, it, it came in down the, the their right side, and I forget who had the ball. He he laid it off, and he ran right in the box unmarked because nobody was there. He, he literally ran with nobody with him, and that allowed him to score. So of those back four, Matt, what, what would you do to change it? Um, well, I, I think the obvious one is um, hurry back the injured players. Um once, once Mawson's fit, I think he will definitely, he will definitely be in the side for sure. Probably replacing Chambers. I see Mawson and Chambers competing for one place at the back, and I think Lamarchon and, and Tim Ream are competing for the other one. Um, once Ream and Mawson are there to put pressure, potentially playing those places, I, I, I know it's obvious. I, I don't know what else we could do. I know um, Fosu Mensa is that his name? Yeah, the the new guy from from Manchester United. I know he can play across the back as well. He played right back on, on Saturday, but he can also play centre-back. But I can't claim to ever have seen him play, to be honest. So I don't know what his best position is. I know he did quite well at Palace last season. I think he might have played right back. I wonder if he's a more defensively-minded right back than, than Christie. Maybe may, maybe explains why he played um, against Spurs, because the last thing we want is, is a full-back bursting forward all the time and leaving us exposed against Spurs, who are... Who you know don't need much space to, to create chances. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's the answer. I don't I don't know how to change the the back four. I don't I don't think we can do anything at the moment until until the rest of the the, the injured players are back. And when they are back, then then we'll see who gets picked. So Reese, you know, same question here because I'm I hate to harp on this, but the back four to me. We've got to start there. We've got to have a strong back four, or at least a strong defense. 
and I know, I know we're still trying to figure out who's going to be our center back pairing. We're, we're going to have a doy back next week. I don't know that he's really the answer at this level. I know some people are saying he should be slotted straight in, but if he's slotted straight in, who do you start him with? You know, is it going to be Lee Machon or is it going to be Chambers? For me, I wouldn't drop Lee Machon right now. I didn't think I was going to be saying that because I really was questioning him, but I think he's actually had some good performances. So as far as next week's center back pairing, what would you do? You think Reese? Um, I agree. I agree with you. I have Lemarchand as the first, you know, as the as things stand, first choice, first choice centre back, and then and we're I, assuming Reeves not going to be back. We're we're, assume, we're assuming that as well. So it's basically if Callum Chambers is to be dropped. I didn't think he was. He, he didn't have a disaster on Saturday. Yes, he could have been better, but then again, a lot of a lot of the team could have been better. But Chambers did did well at some stage. What we're trying to do is, at, you know, at this stage, what we said, we're get, trying to get the team to gel. There's still some things that need to be worked out. And the way you're going to do that is don't change just for the sake of changing it. So for, for this game, if we're, you know, Adore's going to be back from suspension. We're assuming that Tim Ream isn't going to be, isn't going to be um, back from his injury. I, I personally keep things as they are. We've had enough, you know, chopping and changing. I think another another change would just, you know, destroy... Yeah, uh, chemistry. That's the word. The uh, team chemistry that we've that we've got at the moment. Because th- there was some, there was there were some good points, especially when you got a team like Burnley, who are the epitome of organised, you know, structured, know their places. Same so with Palace. We know we know what Roy Hodgson brings to a side. They're completely organised. Everybody knew their roles, and they just waited, and waited, bided their time, watched us miss some chances, and um, and then buried us. So that's that's what he's thinking. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get to Burnley, but I want to stick to right now to Spurs because there's a lot of interesting things that I saw that I feel like we need to discuss. And I know everybody listening to the last podcast knows I like bets. Okay. And I'm going to talk about Fabri, but I'm not going to just put him down. Listen, I actually was surprised the first half. I actually thought he had a good game. The first half, he had some really good saves. He came out big and he did a very fine job where things fell apart for me. Again, I think the first goal let was more because of our defense, especially down that right side. But in the second half, he really kind of scared me several times. And, you know, Reese, I think we should talk about this. One of the, the, the first ones was when he went to palm the ball and it went up and it went into no man's land and it landed at uh, one of the Spurs players' feet right away. Now he came out big and he saved it. But the other big one for me, and this is kind of comical, it was in like the 78th, 79th minute, I believe, when the ball was lobbed in from the left side to right side into the box, and he came out to collect it, and he just totally fumbled this thing and had to scramble to get on top of it. And he did it in the end. He, he saved it. But it was those scary moments that are really starting to worry me about him. So what are your thoughts there, uh, Reese? Do you think it's time maybe we try, whether it's Betts or our other new goalie, do something? Here's, here's the thing. I, I, am, you know, I am also personally on the Marcus Bettinelli is the greatest thing since sliced bread bandwagon, or as the majority of Fulham fans are. What I will say about Fabry, though, is 
I think what he's having now is his David De Gea slash Jorelio Gomez phase. Well, because everyone knows how, when, when they came in, everyone knows that's that a they good had, way to describe it. Yeah, they had their time, you know, adjusting to the Premier League. You know, the perfect example was Jorelio Gomez. I think it was away at Stoke when he when he just had when he had a nightmare. I think injured one of his own players. Fabry has certainly improved. You know, from last week for, uh, from Crystal Palace to Spurs. You know. The uh, thing against Crystal Palace where he rushed out, I would have criticised Marcus Bettinelli for doing the same thing. I thought that was... No. Oh, I'd criticise any of them. Yeah, exactly. I, I would have criticised Bet for that, but anyway. But again, some of the stuff he did on Saturday was very good. But at the same time, one of those moments, as you mentioned, that was sort of my you know, topic number one when it came to free, the way that he just grabbed it and then just out of nowhere dropped it. I, as I've said, he's just getting, going through his De Gea slash Gomez phase of getting adjusted to the Premier League if we see if we see more improvement more of an improvement against Burnley another team is going to you know want to throw it into the button I don't want to preview Burnley too much because we'll get to that but they're going to throw the ball into the box they got you know Sam Vokes up there as a big physical center forward they'll want to test him if he comes through that unscathed then we keep him but if there are a few more I don't want to say clangers but a few more nervy moments then I think we need to seriously look at the situation. But as I said earlier, don't be chopping and changing because we want to have a gel uh, structured system. So, well, and I do want to be yeah. Make, third make, time lucky. It's third time lucky. It's going to be whether right. or not he, whether or not he stakes his claim. Well, I, I do want to make the point. You know, even after he fumbled the ball, he did have a couple more great saves because that game for Spurs really could have gotten away from us, especially in the later half of the second half, that game could have easily ended up five one. So I do think he came up with some good saves there towards the end of the game, which he shouldn't have had to. And, you know, it, let's, let's just look at the goals real quick. Okay. Obviously the first one, that was a great goal. There's Talk you couldn't take any, you couldn't no, take, no, you couldn't take anything from that, right, Matt? I mean, it was a great exactly. goal. Exactly. As as were the other two, in all honesty. And the the Trippier free kick. I know I've I've read on social media people criticizing that he should have got across to it and the wall didn't do their job or whatever. But that that the ball, the the free kick was a perfect distance outside that penalty area for him to put his foot through that, get it up and over the wall and you know, it flew into the top corner at pace. And if he could say that, well, that would have been some save. Um, and then the, the Harry Kane goal, he's he put it right in the corner. He had no chance with the goal. Um, now that Harry uh, Kane goal, hold on, go back to that real quick. Sure. The Harry Kane goal, that, that, the one where he breaks his duck. The thing about that for me is, once again, we got caught on the counter. And that was what Spurs was doing to us all day long. And it's exactly what Palace took advantage of, and that was catching us on the on the counter. So I got to understand what are we doing wrong? You think there, Matt? And what do we got to do to change that and make it happen to where we're, we're not going to get caught out on that counter? It's a it's an excellent question, and probably if I knew knew the answer to that, then I wouldn't be doing the job I was I, I'm doing. I'd, I'd be a football manager. But I think having Anguissa come in as a, a defensive midfielder and an enforcer type. I think he'll be able to break the break the play up um, somewhat. But as I said earlier, when, during the recording, you know, some of these teams they they're very pacey, they're very accurate with their passing, they they know each other's game, they can put the ball into space and just watch one of their 
uh, really quick players just run onto it. And sometimes, if you're if you're chasing the game as we were, we were two one down. You, you've got to you've got to expect to be caught on the counter attack by a team like Spurs if you don't take your chances. So, one of the other things that I gotta wonder if this didn't affect the the, the breakaways somewhat was Sess was just not as effective this game. Um, I love the guy, and I still think he, we shouldn't be dropping him like every match. Can I, I can I just ask a question? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do, do we think that Sess is undroppable? I'm not saying we should drop him, but do we think he's undroppable? And can I, what no. would the reaction to the crowd be? Uh, what would the reaction from the crowd be um, if he was left out of the squad? I'm gonna I'm gonna put that question to Reese here, and then I will give you my answer. Reese, what do you think? Um. I personally think he I think he is droppable if if the situation demands it you know no one should ever be secure of their of their place barring maybe barring maybe the captain absolutely if for instance Andre Scherler wants to or if if playing Andre Scherler over Ryan Sessegnon will help us win the game absolutely do it but I do think there may be something in the back of Slav's mind that is thinking Hang on, we've got this. You know, we've got this wonder kid, one of our own. What will the fans do if I dared drop him? I there's something in the back of my mind that thinks that's what Slav is thinking. No, in my mind, Sess is droppable, but is he? Does Slav fear the backlash of the fans if he were to do such a thing? Especially given that he's left Bettinelli out, he's he's you know replaced McDonald. Both of which I, I agree with both of those decisions, given the um, new players that we brought in. But it would be interesting to see, and I'm, I'm almost, you know, I'm being provocative in, in asking the question, just to see what you guys think. Um, I, I think, yeah, if, if, if we dropped Sessegnon and Bettinelli wasn't playing and McDonald was on the bench and we lost the game, I think there'd be a meltdown, especially online, where there's always a meltdown online after a defeat. But, you know, I think that would be uh, one of the worst ever if that happened. My personal thing is, player man management okay and he is still young and this is a big league okay now it's not as rough and tumble as say the champions uh, ship was but it's still it's a big league lots of big players so for me yeah he's gotten more space but the way we played him there on the right hand side I don't think did him justice now what he did do that worked great on the right hand side that wasn't happening on the left hand side was he was coming back with with Tom and they were helping to cover, you know, that left hand or I'm sorry, that right hand side much better. And that was what was lacking. I think in the left hand side, you just did not have AK coming back and helping to, to cover with Siri or, or, you know, Brian back there. So I will give Seth credit. I do think he did a good job coming back and helping out with that. But my thing is the way you're playing a left hand, left footed player, predominantly left on the right hand side, you're expecting them to constantly take, a cut to the inside and beat their player and get a shot off with their predominant foot. And I don't think Sess is quite there yet. Now I'm not saying that he can't become that, Oh my God player that he's going to be able to do that both sides left or right. But I just think he's better on the left-hand side, natural foot. He loves to go down that line or he will cut on the inside and cut back, which I, I like again. Or the bigger thing is, he poaches better, I think, on that side. And what I mean by that is like when uh, Metro missed that goal, he almost got one in because he was there to poach. Now, with that said, he was there to poach 
when the ball came across from the left-hand side. I don't know if it was a shot on goal or, you know, he purposely meant to lay it off for uh, Metro, but he did a great job. He's in the right place. He put the ball right where it needed to be, and Metro got his goal. So hooray for Metro. He's got his first goal going, and hopefully he's off to the races. Matt, I got to ask, though, when we talk about him playing on that right-hand side, again, what do you think, right or left? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with most of what you just said, Ben. I think you're you're right in your assessment that he's he poaches goals very well, but we haven't seen him tried out on the right very much previously. I, I guess what they're, they're trying to do, I, I think we did it against Palace as well, actually. The the two wingers can swap um, and swap sides, so they can have a, a different um, different prospect for the fullback to face. Of course, the the best player that I I can remember doing that sort of thing was Damian Duff. Um, he was a left footer that played on the right and he was excellent at cutting back inside and pinging one into the distance into the top corner. But Sessegnon hasn't, hasn't really scored that type of goal um, that I can remember. Actually, he, he scored one against Sheffield United away last season where, where he curled it in from distance. But generally, as you say, he kind of mops up from, uh, from inside the box and, and buries chances. He's still young, you know. Um, perhaps we'll, we'll see him play more on the right and he'll, he'll learn to cut inside and go past players. But at the moment, he's playing against, you know, experienced fullbacks at this level who are probably wise to um, a young 18-year-old who, who's not played much on the right wing before, who's trying to cut inside. They know where he's going to try and go because if he, exactly. if he, goes, if he goes down the line, um, then he's forced out onto his right foot. And, you know, his right foot ain't bad, but it's, it's not... For me, it makes it a little predictable, sure. number one. Number two, he's still a growing guy. He's got to get a little bit more, you know weight behind him. I, I would hope he's going to, you know, get a little more weight behind him. Reese, let me ask you this, uh, as we move on about the game, again, this is a whole tactical thing that I think I can't help but wonder if we shouldn't have handled a little differently. Dembele comes on for Spurs. And to me, it was kind of like all of a sudden, you know, not just fresh legs, but a whole rejuvenated side for Spurs. They came right back at us because we, we were doing pretty good, you know, there in the first 15 minutes of the second half. We were we were starting to show. But Dembele comes on and it was like everything just kind of fell apart again. You think Dembele had a really big influence on that second half as far as changing things? Or do you think now it's just same old same thing? We just weren't ready. Um I think uh, the the Dembele substitution is going to sort of be clouded over because I think yes, he did. He did start to run the game in the second half. But what I noticed, what Stefan Johansson came on right, you know, during that sort of stoppage before Spurs uh, hit their free kick. So Stefan Johansson may have come on, and in a way of trying to stop Musa Dembele. But then, but then Kieran Trippier scores. All of a sudden, instead of him being brought on to sort of protect uh, a one-all draw. Now he's been brought on and now we have to go and get a goal and that didn't really help us on the count. So I think that's going to be sort of clouded over. It, put it put it down as a as a null and void. We'll never quite know. So we perhaps how much, how much should have had. So yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but maybe what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, we should have had quicker substitutes, uh, realizing what was going on so that we could have maybe had a better chance at holding on to that 1-1. Yeah, exactly. If Stephanie Hansen had come on, no, three, four minutes earlier, then maybe the uh, free kick does. Maybe the free kick doesn't happen because he, you know, shields uh, the back four a bit better, and then we never get Kieran Trippier's goal, which means we never have to go on the counter attack. 
uh, well, I have to go on the attack, which then means Spurs hit us on the counter attack. That's my that's my theory on it. We'll just we'll just never know. One of the other things you got to stop and think about is Metro and all the chances he had. If you know, thank God he's getting the chances because the chances are there, so we know they're going to be goals. If he had gotten one of those to actually go in, you know, he hit the post once, twice. You know, he had a couple that they just were a little skew. The chances are there, so I can't help but wonder if he'd have put one more of those away before the game had gone Spurs way, if it wouldn't have changed drastically for us and we maybe would have gotten a better result out of this. I'm not saying we would have gone on to win it, but maybe we'd have gotten at least a point out of it. No, no, uh, absolutely. Because I was texting with my Spurs supporting friend who was at who was at Wembley, you know, on the day. And I and me and him and me and him both agreed. Fulham had their chances. The chances were there. Um, the one that strike that uh, comes out to me most was in the first half. Ryan Ces- Ryan Sessegnon had the ball, uh, took uh, took one touch, and then Larice was out charging out to block him down. That's one thing. I just think um, on most of the, most of the time on Saturday, it was just a case of one touch too many. I think we need to be a little bit more quicker in our in our decision making. That way, Sess probably would have probably would have scored that goal. Mitrovic probably you know would have taken his shot a little a little bit earlier, so he wouldn't have hit the post. It's just a case of getting that decision getting that uh, decision making right and, and making the right choice. Well, we're going to have to move on here because uh, we've got other things that we want to talk about in this thing. But I'm going to leave it with this when it comes to the Spurs game. One of the things that really did worry me was again us working it out of the back and doing all these short little passes, especially the square passes, because I lost count how many times we gave a square pass away. Uh, it went askew and they were right on us. And so I think the problem with a lot of these short passes and the short square passes is we are inviting them onto us and we are just letting them hit us hard. And that's where we break down and we're defending like crazy. There were several times where I just felt like, you know, our defending was frantic. It, it wasn't organized at all. And it was just hope and a prayer that we weren't going to have another goal scored against us. And anyway, I want to move on. Fulham. All right, guys, we're going to move on and do this thing called the Fulham Focus Quiz. This is involved with the upcoming match against Burnley. So this is a head-to-head competition between our co-host. Matt, you ready? Absolutely. Bring it on. And Reese, hopefully you're ready. First question is, Burnley are currently in the Europa League. Qualifiers, uh, thanks to finishing 7th last May. We also qualify in the Europa League as a result of finishing in 7th in the 2008-2009 finish. Of our two finishes, ours and theirs, which of us do you think finished with more points in 7th place? Quest stinker. That's, that's, a, that's a beauty of a question. Yeah. All right, Reese. What um, do you think? I'm gonna go with. I think I think it's gonna be us. I'll I'll say us. Okay, Matt. What do you think? I'll make it interesting and say Burnley. Although I did just write Fulham down. It was Burnley by Four. one point. <laughs> one point. Burnley did 54 points. We had 53 points, and Fulham set a club record with the highest league finish but a point shy of them. Unbelievably, just a point shy. Second question, and this is going to be odd one out, okay? Which of these players has not, has not played for both Burnley and Fulham? Okay, so just one. Which one has not? 
John Harley, Liam Rosner, Andy Cole, or McDonald? Which one has not? Matt, I'll start with you. I don't remember Liam Rosinia playing for Burnley. I don't remember Andy Cole playing for Burnley. Um, I'll go Liam. Okay, with Liam. What do you think, uh, uh, Matt? Do you need me to say him again? Joe Hartley? Okay, go ahead. No, I'm going along the same lines as Matt. I can't remember Rossini or Andy Cole playing for Burnley either. But there's just, I'm going to, again, just again, just to keep it interesting, but I also think this is the right answer. I'm going with Andy Cole. So Liam is actually the correct answer. Oh, great. When did Andy Cole play for Burnley? You know, this is where I am fed the questions by our, our question gurus. And they did not put down that portion of the answer. So that's something <laughs> that we all have to look up. It could be lying to you. Well, they could be, but they have down that Liam is the only player that has not played for both clubs. So let's move on. Question number three. This is a true or false. Fulham have beaten Burnley 30 times in our history, but our record away to the Clarets is so bad that we've gone more than 30 games without winning at Turf Moor. True or false? Have we gone more than 30 games without winning at Turf Moor? Reese, what do you think? I'm going to say yes, because I know it's Burnley are one of our bogey clubs. Like we haven't, we haven't won a Goodison since 1966 or something stupid like that as well. It's yeah. But so I'm going to go with yes. Cause I know we've, I, why do I get this feeling? We've never won at Turf Moor. So I'm going to say yes. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, our record up there is absolutely appalling. I've never seen us win up there. Um, but again, to keep it interesting, I'll, I'll go against uh, what Reese has said. I'll say no. Look, the question is true that we have not won the last 30 games at, at Turf Moor. And the, our last win against Burnley, okay, this is in Division One, believe it or not, okay, it was back in 1951. And we beat them zero to two. So, I was expecting you to say eighteen something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and of course, you guys would remember that match. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that doesn't surprise me. It's always it's such a horrible place for us. Awful. Well, we got to change that, and we're gonna change that. We're gonna stay positive on, on this season, okay? Sure. Question number four: Name the season, okay? So tell me what season, the years that we did this. Fulham's last victory over Burnley was three to zero. It was a win at the cottage. What season was it? Reese, what do you think? I'm just doing the maths because when did Burnley go up? I think the only year we've shared with them recently was 2015-16. So I think they went up as we went down. So I'm going to go 15-16. Okay. Matt, what do you think? Well, I did some research on our um, our recent record against Burnley um, before I came on, and I've written down 2010, but I don't know what season that was. Was it 9-10 or was it 10-11? It would again. have been 9-10, it would have been. Yeah, 9-10. 9-10, and that was the last time we actually beat them. It was 3-0, and it was a cottage. So knock on wood again. That record I remember is that game. Bad. I think David Elms scored that game. <laughs> oh, okay. David Elms. Back in those days. Okay. Oh. All right. So our last question. Our last encounter with Burnley 
ended in a three to two defeat at the cottage. And this was March 2016. So this is that was the season I was thinking yeah. of. Uh, I thought we won that. Name game. one of the two Fulham goal scorers that day. Okay, name one of the two. Matt, name one of the two goal scorers for our last game or or the last time, our last encounter against Burnley. Okay, Dembele. Dembele. Uh, Reese, you got two, one? 2015 16. Uh, Dembele's a good shout. Ross McCormack's a good shout, but. No, I've lost this anyway, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Maverick. I'm gonna say Alexander Kachaniklich. You actually, you gave a good shout out. So the two goal scorers of that day was McCormick, and it yeah. was Nimbelli. Yeah, so, oh, of course it was. You know, it's one of the one one of the times that McCormick scored. I can't say he did uh, a whole lot for us the rest of that season. And anyway, moving on again. Fulham. Okay, gentlemen. So in this portion, let's go ahead and start previewing the Burnley match. Obviously, they like to set up very strong in the back, a lot like you had discussed earlier, a Roy's team. And, you know, I've noticed the last two games they've been playing, at least in the Premier League uh, or their, their last two fixtures, they're sticking to what Roy did for us in the Europa League, and that's that 4-4-1-1. That begs us to differ or, or bring up the question, do we go ahead and change formations? Should we maybe pull – a Roy against them and go, do their own formation of four, four, one, one. And if so, you know, what do you think the players might be top? Uh, one of the suggestions that I heard was to bring in uh, Vito, you know, our, our Argentinian, you know, we bring him in and we have him sit behind uh, Metro. Um, Reese, what, what do you think about changing like to a four, 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 one, one? Um, I, I'd be okay with, I, uh, I don't know whether or not I'd be. Okay. I don't know if I'd be okay with it or not because I've just sort of knocked up together uh, for a four-four-one-one. You know, Fab- Fabri Fabrian goal, Fossumenta, Chambers, Lemarchand, and Brian across the back. It's the wingers I'm sort of struggling. I've got I've got Anguissa and Seri in the middle of midfield. Anguissa sort of holding in that uh, Dixon Atuhu role. Siri moving occasionally more forward, a la Danny Murphy. Tom Kenny playing as Zoltangira and Mitrovic as Bozamora. But I don't know whether or not I've got Sess and Schurler as and Schurler as my wingers, but I don't know whether or not that would fit. So I'm gonna say no. I think I, I don't want I don't want to be repeat myself, but it does it, it's my one thing is we have our we have our system. Let's stick with it now. 4-3-3. That's what Slab he obviously wants to go with that. So let's keep it. Let's keep it with that. So I so if we're yaying or naying on this, I vote nay on go on going four four one one. Okay. So Matt, I'm gonna come back over to you then. Again, if we go four four one one, which I actually think in the lineup that I'm gonna give you guys here in a little bit, I actually think it could be the same people, even on the wings in the four four one one as it could be the four three three. Your thoughts on the four four one one? Yeah, I think I've nailed my colours to the mast um, on the formation earlier in the show. But I've, I can't see us doing it. I don't agree with us doing it. I don't think we should be tinkering with the formation this early in the season. We're doing enough tinkering with the players as it is. The players need to learn to play in a system to begin with. Um, and if we then start saying to them, well, we're going to play a different formation this week, it's going to be even more confusing. I, I just can't see it. What I can see happening is a similar lineup to the one that played against Palace. I can see... Christie coming back in at right back, 
think we're going to need uh, we're going to need some attacking prowess. We're going to need somebody to put some balls into the box. All right, his, his crosses against Palace for me weren't brilliant. His distribution wasn't great. Um, I can see that happening, um, and I think that Scherler will come back in for for AK as well. I think I think AK is is better used off the bench. All right, he had he had a real great purple patch at the end of last season where he came in and turned some games around for us, especially you know the Sunderland game and then a brilliant performance at Wembley. But um, I I think that Scherler will be back in. I think Christie will be back in, and potentially they could be the only two changes. I think Fabry keeps his place as well for me. So you you guys have both mentioned this, and and I think it's got to be talked about just for a few seconds. And it is, you know, at least in my thought, we can't stress enough that it's a shame these guys did not get more time in the preseason to gel. And I've read online through the various forms, you know, a lot of people feel like our preseason was wasted. And I can't say it was wasted. I know it was disappointing. A lot of the players didn't come in till the end. But a lot of other factors came into play for that. And, you know, one of the big ones was the World Cup. And the other one was we were the last ones to come out of the championship. So, you know, while I'm sure Khan and company were already thinking before we went to Wembley, hey, we got to start thinking about next season. Who, who do we start looking at? And I'm sure they started putting lists together. There are lots of unknown factors that we don't know in the, as the general public that prevent players from coming in in the beginning of the season or right away. So I'm going to say, yes, we need more time to gel. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but it's, it's the truth in my mind. And I agree with you for the most part that the, the team formation should not change and that the players should stay pretty much the same. I do think we should try something a little bit different, hopefully. I'm hoping in maybe not this game, if not the next game, and that is, you know, instead of the 4-3-3 and Cess being involved, I know this is not going to be popular, but I think we need to drop him and have him more as a substitute player that comes in and brings energy in and, and you know, fast legs, fresh legs. Maybe I'm wrong, Reese. W- would you drop him for this one? And I, and I will tell you who I put in his place, but I want to hear your thoughts. I think dropping him. Um. Personally, even even though I said earlier that you know he is droppable, I think I think against I think against Burnley, I think there's a potential for him. You know, I think Burnley has the potential to be his coming out party. They're 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 built on more of a you know on a more physical uh, style of play, and I think his pace will be able to will be able to counteract that. So in my mind, I I, I could see the reason I can see the reasoning why. But in my mind, I, st- I say stick with him and we keep him in. Okay, if we stick with him, I'd like for him to go back on the left side. Would you agree there, Matt? Yeah, I think that's a fair point, fair comment. Um, playing where, uh, where he plays best, where he's, he's played for us mostly. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a strange one because it's not really left wing. He cuts in and gets in the box and kind of interchanges between midfield and up front. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I can't see him being dropped. As I, I said, I asked the question earlier in the in the show, is he undroppable? I wouldn't drop him. I think you you've got to, you you don't want to shatter his confidence. Um, this is all new to I don't him. want to shatter um, his confidence. I actually no, no. want to man manage him. I I want him to be uh not put out all the time, especially maybe against the the bigger, stronger teams. 
what I'd like to see him is brought in on those certain situations or, you know, start certain games where we know he'll have a better chance of dominating or, or having a great performance. But rather than having him thrown into the Wolf's den, man, manage him just a little bit better. And again, if we're going to play him, I don't think the right's working. I want to put him back on the left. Now, that also brings me to, we got to think about if he's on the left, okay, who are we bringing back in on the right-hand side? And for me, I would think surely, but I, I, I don't know. Christy did, didn't do that bad when he came in at the end of the game. Matt, who would you put back in then on the, on the right-hand side? Yeah, I'd, I'd put Sherla back in. Um, as I said, I'd, I'd take um, AK back out and leave him on the bench. I'd bring him on um, if we need to change the game. But yeah, I'd, I'd definitely put Sherla back in for this one, 100%. So the other thing I do want to talk about, and, I, and I'm hoping, Matt, uh, Reese, that this is going to play into our favor, is you know they're still involved in the Europa League. They're going to be tired coming off of uh, the, these back-to-back games. And if I'm not mistaken, they travel to Olympicos on Thursday? Yeah, they're uh, away to Olympiacos. So, yep. so I, I, I think I can probably, probably guess where you're going to go with this. You know, is the fatigue factor. Oh, I'm hoping. Really, yeah, is it going to... That we, we, can only hope, we can only hope and pray that we can only hope and pray that it does. And, you know, that also goes to... If you're that team in seventh place, okay, you did a great job in, in the league. But now... You're not only thrown in on you know dealing with the Europa League, but you've got to deal with the FA Cup and everything else. So you know the the further you go with that, the harder it just becomes. And you being the seventh place team, maybe you're not as strong as a team that you can handle that. You know, like the the big four, the big five. So I'm just hoping you know them coming back, traveling, mentally, physically, we can take advantage of that and we have a big game. Well, you know, in 2009, when we had our miraculous run to the, uh, the Europa final, um, we, we finished 12th that season. And the weekend after we had played in Europe, um, our results read 1-6, lost 6, drew 5. So it's a pretty mixed bag. So um, I don't think there's any guarantees that we're going we're gonna to come across a, a really tired Burnley side, especially this early in the season as well. I think their players will still be pretty fresh. But I, I thought that was an interesting stat, and I, I actually thought we'd won more than, than we'd lost. Um, if, if I had to guess, I would have I would have said that. But in actual fact, it was, it was pretty even. If I read this right online, Burnley's last five fixtures, it was a win, a draw, a draw, a win, and a loss. So it's not like if you look at their last five, they've been knocked down and, and they can't get back up. I still think they're a very strong side. I'm just hoping that you know this is going to start showing fatigue on them and we're going to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah. So we've talked about how Burnley is still a very strong side. They're very organized. We know their formation. How would you set up to play against them, Matt, if we're sticking with, and we're fairly certain this will happen, the 4-3-3? Okay, so Fabri and goal. Um, let's assume that um, the defenders are still going to be injured that were that have been injured so far. So exactly. I'd go, yep. yeah, I'd, I'd I'd carry would carry on with the same defence, um, defensive mid uh, central defenders. I'd keep Chambers in uh, again. I don't want to don't want to shatter the guy's confidence. I think I think he'll come good for us. Um, I'd go Chambers and Lamarchand at the back. I'd go Brian and then Christie as the uh, as the fullbacks. 
And then the midfield, I think, picks itself now, Kearney, Seri and Anguissa. And then, as we touched upon already, um, Sessegnon and Scherler playing either side of Mitro. Can't see it being any different to that. So, let me ask you this. You you took out uh, Fusa, right, Menasa? And you yes. put Christie back in instead. What did you think of uh, Fusa in this, his first match or the last match against Tottenham? Did you think he didn't earn his place, that he should remain there? Again, I mean, I haven't really seen that much of him. Um, it's difficult to it's difficult to judge a player on on how well they played based on a you know ten minutes on, on match of the day. I'll be interested to see him, and I'll be interested to, to hear what Reese thinks actually, because Reese went to Wembley. Reese, do you, do you agree with changing that out? No, personally, I'd for the for the nine for the nine hundred nine hundred thousand thousandth time on the show, I'd keep yep. I'd keep things as they are, but. With one thing, if you want to have, I'm absolutely fine with you know left footed players playing on the right, and right footed players on the left, just as long as it's not a permanent thing. As keep change up to give fullbacks a different look or give them something different to face uh, to deal with. Absolutely, if you want to put Cess on the right hand side and Kamara on the left for five minutes, fine. But I just don't want it. I don't want it to be a permanent thing to have Kamara on the left and Session on the right. Switch it up every ten minutes, and then if you find if you find it's working, go with it. If it's not, then go back to everyone on their uh, everyone on their natural side. So you know, if pers- we keep your back line, uh, even Brian, I assume. Yeah. What What do you do for your middle? Uh, the centre backs. No, no, no. I, I mean, in the middle, the your oh, in the middle of the your, park. Your, your three across in the middle. Again, again, keep the same. I think Anguissa. I really like. I really like the look of him, and keep it as Seri and Tom Kearney. There's there, there's the making of a really decent central midfield partnership there, and I think we need to. I think we need to keep that intact. I think one thing you touched upon earlier on the show that um, that we almost glossed over, Don, was saying that Kearney and, and Seri are similar types of players, and I've got to disagree with that. I think um, I think Kearney is a very creative player, but he he doesn't often. You you don't ever see him go flying in with a tackle, whereas Seri is a ball winner and a good pass with the ball as well. And I think they complement each other really well. And there'll be that engine this season for us. And then with Anguissa on top of that, winning the ball and laying it off, I think we're in pretty good shape in that area of the pitch. I, I do agree with you. I, I did like, you know, how Siri seems to go in a lot harder uh, on his tackles and, and trying to win the balls. What I don't like is Tom seems to want to drop back more and more. I really like Tom more up top, kind of being that number natural number 10 playmaker. Uh, I, I really loved when he was holding back a little bit and he came up and he struck a very sweet left-footed shot. He was very unfortunate. It didn't go in. It was a good save. But I'd, I'd like to see him a little more in the attack portion rather than dropping back and, and being the, the playmaker out of the back, if that makes sense. So I want to wrap up the uh, show here. And one of the things, though, I do want to talk about real quick before we do go on from the Burnley preview. My lineup is a little different. As far as starting with the goalie, I stick with Fabrizio. I do think that this is going to be the game he's got to show us something uh, that makes him the guy who stays in goal, the number one that stays in goal. If he shows any more of these little floundering or fumblings of the ball i gotta start thinking well maybe we try rico uh you know or bets gets a shot but for the team's sake to gel have some continuity i do leave him in there 
I stick with the same back four currently. Brian, you know, was a, had some troubles. I think a lot of that, again, was due to AK. I'm hoping that if we change the midfield up a little bit, that maybe this would help out. And so for me, I actually would do something a little bit different in, in the three across the middle. Across the top, I, I would do Shirley, Metro, and I would do Sess, let him stay. But I'd yank him, and I'd look to maybe play Vito. He's ready, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I think he, he should be able to slot in. And back to the middle, I kind of wonder if we shouldn't do Christy, Tom, and Siri, and we let McDonald come in later on in the game or somebody else to, to dominate that. But we let Christy play more out on that side and help with getting some crosses in. I know some people thought he didn't get enough crosses in. I personally thought he did, and I thought he had a great strike on goal in the beginning half of Palace game. So of what I just said, Matt, do you think I'm throwing out, throwing out anything that's a little crazy? Um, I'd be surprised if Fieso started, um, but I'm, I'm interested to see what he's like. I think he'll be utilised more from the bench. And, uh, and I think Christie got plenty of crosses in against Paris. It's just they, they came to nothing. You know, it needs to be more influential crosses if, um, if he's going to be given that time and space. I, I've got frustration. That almost goes back Paris. to the gelling, right? That goes back to the gelling of the team. I don't think our players have had enough time together to know who likes to do what, where they like the balls to be played, or the anticipation of where things are going to happen. So I'm hoping if Christie keeps putting in those crosses – People yeah. are going to come up on that and realize, hey, these balls are coming. Mm. Or even from Shirley, you know, he he had some good plays where he cut inside or he put little balls into the box and stuff. I just don't know that people have quite connected yet as far as how different players play or who's going to do what. So that's just my thought. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Tom sitting more as a number 10, Christy on the one side, Siri on the other. I think Siri would do a better job coming back and helping in the defense than AK did. And, you know, again, I wouldn't mind seeing Vito come on and uh, really show us maybe what he could do. If not this game, then the next. So with that, let's wrap up and go on to the fantastic fantasy league that we've got going at FulhamFocus.com. Again, this is at FantasyPremier.com. I'm going to give you guys the number because I still want people to try and join if you can, if you uh, are in the mind. Our personal number is 7929681766694. Again, that's 7929681766694 and that's at fantasy.premierleague.com. Guys, I don't know uh, how your teams did. I didn't do the greatest this week. I believe Matthew has sworn off playing uh, for some reason, but I'm sure both of you have got some great tips uh, to help our league players here. Matthew, do you, uh, do you have any tips for anybody? Matthew, you mean Reese, don't you? Yep, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Reese. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm the I'm the one who has it again for the sake of confusion. I'm the one who's sworn off fantasy football for years. I swore off. Day I put Wojciech Chesney in goal. Arsenal lost eight to a Man United. <laughs> Ever since then, I've sworn off it. But for the purpose of this, I've done a little bit of research, and I am going for Aaron Ramsey. 
I think West Ham is still trying to adapt into their into their style of play. Arsenal haven't had the greatest, you know, opening two games, but they'll be they'll find it much easier against uh, against West Ham United. Aaron Ramsey's going to be creating plenty of chances and might even get uh, might even get himself a goal with one of his um, uh, strikes from outside the box. So my pick for this week is Aaron Ramsey. Okay, Matt, have you got a pick for anybody? Yeah, I have. I mean, it's, it's kind of an obvious one. Um, I'm going to go for uh, Mo Salah. Um, Liverpool are at home to Brighton this week. Um, and Brighton had a fantastic result against United yesterday, uh, on Sunday, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, but I, I can see him scoring two or three goals against Brighton. So put him in, making me captain this week. So my tip, and this is going to be especially for me, I went back and I was looking at, and I want to give a shout out to our top three. Sitting right now in in number one spot for our league is team right way manager. I don't know what he's doing so special, but he is sitting at number one, 174 points. So he's doing something definitely right with his picks. (laughs) Second place, only seven points off this guy. Their team is called off the mark Schwarzer. Okay. And he's sitting at 167 points. So not far off. And even closer, third place is only four points off from, from, from second. And that is why so serious. Great names. I got to say, these guys are actually pretty incredible with their names. The big thing I noticed, the top 10 teams are all within like 15 points. And I went back and I was looking at them and my thing that I'm going to change this week. And it's going to be my tip is their formation. I don't know what kind of formation you're running, Matt, but I just did a 4-3-3 like Fulham. What I've noticed, they're running more three in the back, four in the middle, three up top, or a, a, some version of that to where they have more midfield and more attacking players. Do, do you have a different formation than the 4-3-3, Matt? I think I've just got the one that it came with, to be honest. I was looking the other night and uh, trying to change it on my phone, but I couldn't work out how to do it, so I gave up. But yeah, I think... Attacking players get more points, so it makes more sense. And I believe midfield players especially get more points uh, if they score. Is that right? So just based on what those guys are doing, my my thing, at least what I'm going to look to do, is I'm going to change my formation. And I'm going to have uh, just three in the back. All right, gentlemen, so we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, anything that either one of you would like to say going into the Burnley match other than, uh, come on, Fulham, we've, 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 we can actually win this. Yeah, just get behind the team. Um, I know it sounds really obvious, but if Fabry makes a mistake, get off his back. Bettinelli's not going to be in the side this season. It's quite obvious he's not. Um, don't damage the guy's confidence. Get behind the team. And come on, you wise, let's go and beat Burnley. My sentiments exactly. I don't think I, I, don't think I can add any more. Okay, okay. Well, then, guys, I want to just promote one more time, as we always like to, the Fulham Focus uh, website where you can check out our latest Q&A with Gus Ornbeck. The winger was part of Kevin uh, Keegan's championship or champion side in 1988-99. And he looks back at his time with the club and he shares some really good memories about his stay at SW6. So again, just signing off for everybody. I'd like to say thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope we maybe put a little something in there for you to think about when it comes to our season and going into our next game. Thanks again.